talkzone.com. Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Just sent out a Twitter big dog going over some of the topics for today's show. Baseball, volcanoes in Europe, NBA playoffs, an earthquake in China, NHL playoffs, and more trouble across the border. As we talk sports and more here on Two Guys at a Mic on the TalkZone.com. Big dog, how are you? Big sports weekend coming up and there is world news. We also have a funeral and Poland today. I know you are a man of many continents. You keep your finger on the pulse of many things going around. It's a busy sports weekend. Lots of other activities as well. How are you, Doug? Uh, doing absolutely fantastic. I'm just glad I'm not near any erupting volcanoes or I'm in a third world country that isn't worth you know being able to hold up to an earthquake. And uh, mm-hmm. I would like to tip my hat to a man that wanted uh, you know everybody to be free in this particular world coast. So. Yeah. And we could talk sports too if you want to. Eh, maybe. We'll think about it. We might get down to that. But, you know, here I'm so worried about figuring out how the Hawks can avoid the upset against Nashville. NHL playoffs starting today, tomorrow. Trying to figure out a way the Chicago Bulls. We uh, talked about it yesterday. We got the Bulls winning in three over the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's how confident I am. That That's pretty confident, Coach. I do think it's going to take him at least five or six to end up getting the victory here. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably right, but I thought a couple of victories, a couple of upsets at Cleveland. They travel to Chicago. They get hammered at the United Center. They might be a no-show for Game 4. I'm going to stick with my original prediction, Bulls and three over Cleveland. Your thought? I just want to let you know something, Coach. I know those NBA players make a lot of money, but you know how much it costs to get hammered at the United Center? <laughs> I mean, that's like that's like eleven fifty for a Mai Tai. Oh. Only LeBron James would be able to afford it, and I heard he doesn't even drink. Nicely played. Oh, oh you meant like lose the game hammered. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Well, you can get hammered on the court, and if you got the cashola, you can get uh, hammered off the court at the United Center, too. But I, I started to realize how insignificant. All of this NBA, NHL playoff, breaking down, figuring out, trying to who is going to win. When I remember what a global warming enthusiast and a planet Earth uh, expert that you are, I'm worried. Now, we've had earthquake in Haiti. Horrible, yeah. horrible tragedy. We had earthquake in Chile. We now have had an earthquake at 7. By the po- way, the earthquake in Chile was 8.9. Yes. The earthquake in Haiti, but it was about 6.5. Yes. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but the problem is in Chile. Yep. They actually build their buildings to withstand earthquakes. There was like, right. there was ten percent of the deaths as there were in Haiti, coach. Mm-hmm. So one country was prepared and the other one wasn't. Yeah, that, that'll show you what happened. That has been well, well documented. But then uh, we have a third earthquake a couple of days ago in China, a seven point one. So big dog. I guess my question to you here early this morning is: Should we be worried less about the NBA playoffs and NHL playoff matchups and more about the fact? That uh, literally the earth is shaking below us. You, you know what we How's that for an worry about, coach, is the fact that <laughs> there's always earthquakes, there's always hurricanes, there's always uh, tornadoes, natural disasters. But now all these, these oh, the world's going to end in 2012, people are going to start freaking out. What I'm worried about is <laughs> chaos and utter, like, uh, illogical people 
because they hear it in some book that, you know, in 2012, if we have two earthquakes in a row, that all of a sudden everyone's going to say the world ends. So hopefully two years from now people can remember uh-huh. that there's earthquakes, there's hurricanes, there's natural disasters. People die. And I'm not, I'm not trying to fluff off or say that it isn't important that these people die because it, it is a tragedy. And that's what people have to remember, that this is a tragedy and people died. You're not next. Okay, it's that's mm-hmm. the only thing that I'm really worried about. So I almost don't want to make too much of it, Coach. Okay, I, I so, really you're, don't. so you're saying this is not a trend. It's just more of a coincidence that we've had three in about a month and a half, but it's not a panic situation where we may see more Coach, earthquakes. Look at the look at the history of the world. There's probably been there's probably been a hundred million earthquakes in the history of the world. So mm-hmm. three in a matter of uh, of what what sixty days or so. Right. I'm I'm not going to freak out about it. And all I know is this. My cousin is the foremost expert in the world. I'm talking about in the world of building buildings that withstand earthquakes. Uh-huh. So she builds 65-story buildings in San Francisco and wow. San Diego. And, you know, he goes where the money is, so he's going to build some buildings now in Chile. Mm-hmm. So it's funny. One other man, somebody else, the world is at, and is another man, hey, the world is at my feet. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it, it, I guess it all depends on how you look at it. I and did not know is, you had His a name re- is Jim Miller. So if you if you want to rebuild a, a gigantic building, contact me, Jim Miller. He's very affordable. It only costs you a couple hundred mil. Very good. Not, <laughs> not the Jim Miller, the quarterback, the Chicago Bear, who uh, gave us a few earthquakes of the football sort. Different Jim Miller. No, he has both his uh, Achilles, but he does wear a jock strap. Okay. Very interesting. I didn't know you've got relatives of many, many skills. I was not aware that you had a cousin who was the world's foremost builder. Of buildings to prevent earthquakes, if that could be the uh, probably incorrect description. Very nicely yeah, played. That's, yeah, no, he's uh, he's an expert. He can, I mean, he builds them on those gigantic springs. Mm-hmm. You know, he builds buildings like on like the gigantic springs, and he gets he makes them like wobble and stuff, and they they're able to withstand any mm-hmm. type of shock. It's none of his buildings have ever fallen, coach, ever. All right, so. very good. We've covered natural disasters. Got that out of the way here at the top of the show. The big dog are. Global warming enthusiast and planet Earth specialist telling us not to panic just yet, folks. Uh, on a lesser note, Big Dog, hopefully you got your taxes in yesterday. Tax day had come and gone. We can now look forward to better things ahead. Yeah, I had my accountant do that for me. So uh, I had a cousin or an it. uncle who's like the world's most foreknown uh, accountant. Actually, my mom is a, is a CPA. I probably should have heard do my taxes, but I'm really embarrassed about how much I make, so mm-hmm. I don't want to have to hear, hey, go get a real job from my mom, so I have somebody else do my taxes. It's a good lesson. There's a lesson there for you, all the young folks out there. Don't let mom do your taxes if your job situation, financial status is not particularly good. Yeah, the last thing you want to hear, like if you're a grown man, you don't want to hear, hey, do you need some money? Not from your mom. You yeah. don't want to hear that if you're a grown man. That's like the last thing you want to hear. I tried okay. filling out the simplified form this year. I don't know if I got a different simplified form. My simplified form, basically, at the end of it, it said, how much money did you make last year? And then the next line was, good, now send it in. <laughs> that was the simplified form. That's, that's our new socialist regime here in the United States of America. It's not bad. You a tea party guy or coffee party guy, by the way, or somewhere in the vast in-between? Um. Coach, I'm a Bill of Rights man, and no particular <laughs> political party can really, uh, uh-huh. really uh, represent what I like and what I want. Okay. So it, it's very difficult for me to actually pick and choose who to vote for. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, I'm thinking about just creating my own little island. It's not Maybe bad. I'll do it on Lake Michigan. It's you know not what I mean? Bad. I keep dumping my garbage out there, and eventually, kind of like Streeterville, uh-huh. I can create my own little <laughs> island. I only need about. 
about a thousand square feet. You know what I'm saying? I'd uh, bring your by forty lot would be perfect. <laughs> if you're going to be on your island, I'd bring your uh, cousin and have him build the world's. Uh, you know, the, make make sure he builds a building that is earthquake proof. I'd, if you're going to bring one person to the island and it has to be male, I'd bring your cousin. Yeah, I would too. I, I definitely would too. Uh, he's uh, and he smells good, which always helps. <laughs> Oh, that's outstanding. I'm having an uh, ongoing uh, email. I don't know if you've ever done this back and forth email battle with a couple of friends of mine, and we've been hitting the reply all, too, and I've gotten a few uh, uh, from people that are not involved in this political diatribe going back and forth. A few people that have, uh, who I don't even know who have emailed and said, stop the reply all. We don't care about your, but we're going back and forth on a political diatribe. I'm taking the liberal viewpoint and fighting very, very... Uh, intensely, if not difficultly, against some out-of-control conservative friends I have. Have you ever gotten to an, an email battle of words, if you say? Yeah, I, I usually like to do it like face-to-face so I can put the person in a chokehold. Mm-hmm. So, so you prefer, yeah, I, I, you prefer I, I, the physical confrontation? Well, no, I'm just kidding around about that. No, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, that'll happen for me. I'll do it every once in a while. So mm-hmm. I just, just as long as you don't involve it's, me in that, Coach. It's like, you don't, so you don't want to be on our reply all? No, please don't don't get me involved in that. Okay, I it's, I legitimately don't have enough time in the day. It's weird. I don't either. It's a waste of time, but it's one of those deals that like goes back to your childhood qualities where you you want to be the one to get the last word in. Somebody responds and then they you know they put all the stuff in there. You feel like deleting it or I forget it. But then if you delete it, you feel like they've won the argument and like you've got no response to it. So everything they said is right. David Olson, our producer. I get the feeling you feel like uh, you you've been in my situation before. Constantly, constantly, there is no such thing as civil political discourse anymore. <laughs> I mean, no, there, there isn't. Yeah, it's, it, yeah it, it's like amazing, and it, like especially you know over the last over the last eighteen months, it's just like denigrated to you've got you know. The Democrats on one side, the Republicans on the other, and yeah. there, there, there is no in between on anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I find personally find that very frustrating. I really do. Mm-hmm. Big dog. I remember I frustrating about it is how everybody wants to change what your opinion is. I, I really could care less about anybody else's opinion. And by that, I also mean I realize that I might not be right about everything. So, the, the, my whole point is I could really all these people trying to force their freaking. Uh, called attitudes or or their beliefs down my throat, mm-hmm. you know, and they and they think uh, they're right. It's kind of it's almost like turned into religion uh, is what uh, is what politics has turned into lately, and it's it's, good. it's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good uh, analogy there. On the other hand, I, I would hate to get to the point where we're afraid to discuss with people, afraid to talk with. Well, let's not even talk about it at all. It's sort of like religion. Oh, it's too sensitive a subject. No, let's talk about it, but let's talk about it more intelligently. Where we start, as David Olson alluded to, start to, uh, you know, appreciate or at least understand the other person's point of view instead of the total black, total white, opposite ends of the spectrum. I remember I had a, uh, I forget what class it was, but some teacher who we had to have a discussion on a topic. But the trick was before you could state your point, you had to repeat what the person you were talking to was a one-on-one. You had to repeat what they said, and they had to agree that, yes, that's what they meant before you could go on. I still remember that lesson. I think maybe we all need to do a little bit more of that and find uh, you know, some some understanding anyhow of the other person's point of view. I would I would find that almost unbearable uh, to, to discuss yeah. that way because so many people – 
you know what? That is not a good way to do it, but your class had better be like five hours long because <laughs> it, it would take you 25 minutes just to get over the first freaking subject. Because, you know, people will always twist what you're saying. But that, that's actually a really good idea. Yes. So eventually people are like, all right, after you do it a couple times, I think mm-hmm. they're like, all right, I will listen to what you have to say, and I'll, yeah. I'll try to understand yeah. exactly for, what you're saying. For you, big dog, that would last. It's good in theory, not in practice. I got a feeling you would uh... – you would go chokehold probably within the first hour of that particular class. You sh- you should know better than that, Coach. I'm pretty <laughs> open-minded. I'm probably one of the most open-minded people there is. Yes. And and I have a lot of weaknesses, but one of my strengths is I actually listen to people when they speak. Okay. And I, and I would have to say my biggest pet peeve are when people are they they act like they're listening but they don't. I I, I that is without question my biggest pet peeve. So. Mm-hmm. And, I, I really, I, I mean, I know we joke around about each other and all that stuff, but on that one, I'm going to have to, like, not joke and, and get serious. I hate that. That's one of my biggest things when when people, when you have to, like, repeat things to people over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, just listen. Pay attention to what I'm saying. If you want to have a conversation to me and you want to make it political or something, actually hear what I'm saying and quit arguing about stuff. Okay. So, yeah. We have we have touched a nerve of sorts with the big dog. Right, we've covered uh, natural disasters, the political discourse in society now. I feel a lot more comfortable <laughs> discussing the NHL playoffs and the NBA playoffs. Any world news to get to, Big Dog, or are we ready to talk some insignificant sports? Well, uh, hopefully, if you're <laughs> in China and your house is in crumbles, you can Oof. still get Internet access. Okay? Yes. There's a lot more mobile phones in China right now, so they can definitely hear us, Coach. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, if they want to call in and uh, talk some sports or uh, get their mind off some uh, more negative things, they could do so at 888-463-6748. We love intercontinental, uh, international phone calls here, 888 You can always email us via the web at Mike2Guys at AOL.com, M-I-C, and the number 2, Mike2Guys, AOL.com. The NHL playoffs uh, tee off tonight in Chicago. Big Dog Blackhawks are a big favorite over Nashville. But uh, I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but the two other favored teams, the Capitals and San Jose, both have lost their first game. An indication maybe the NHL playoffs could be uh, upset-laden? Of, of course I'm aware of this. You know when it comes uh I watch hockey in the regular season. I don't miss a game during the playoffs, no matter who is playing. Uh, and, and, Coach, I would not put the Blackhawks in hockey. There is no such thing as a big favorite until you see mm-hmm. how the goalies are playing. That's a good point. It's a, so, I know right now that Blackhawks have a two against their name, and Nashville have a, has a seven. And if you're talking uh, football or if you're talking uh, baseball or basketball, that means something. It really does in those sports. In hockey, it doesn't mean anything until we see, see the guys between the pipes. Mm-hmm. And if they play the way they're supposed to, yeah, the Hawks are our big favorite. And the Hawks will look – the best thing is it's Friday now, and everybody's played, and the Hawks realize something. Those numbers don't mean a god-darn thing. You watched Washington and Montreal yesterday. I don't know if you watched it, Coach. I watched the whole game. Washington is by far the superior team. There is no doubt that they're the superior team. But one goalie played incredible, and the other one played average. And guess what? Montreal got one nothing in the series. Mm-hmm. So well, I, I mean, that's 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 the key to it. Let's not uh let's not call anybody a big favorite yet. Yeah, maybe as you said, maybe that will help the Blackhawks uh, at least. Uh, Realize the severe possibility of any kind of an upset, if you can call it an upset. You mentioned the goalies in the Nashville Blackhawks series, Big Dog. Interesting, because you got a couple of goalies. I don't think either of them have ever played in a playoff game. They're both from Finland, and uh, I know the Hawk goalie, Anton Niemi, wasn't even the starter at the beginning of the season. In the goal for Nashville will be uh, Pekka Rene. And if you could, Ron Santo, tell the fans a little bit 
about Finland goalie Pekka Rene? Uh, he likes to work quickly. He likes to keep his pads down low in the zone, and he likes to keep keep people off balance. I think. <laughs> I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, but it's interesting. We got two goalies from Finland. Neither have played in the Stanley Cup game. What the uh, intensity level? You can be explained to them. I guess they just are going to have to experience it to realize the different level the Stanley Cup is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. Now the, the Blackhawks have. Uh, a goalie that made a great run to the finals mm-hmm. in uh, Cristobal Huey, but I don't even know, even know if he's going to be in between the pipes. It might be in the Emmy between the pipes. Has there been an official announcement who's starting in goalie oh, for yeah. the Hawks yet? No, it's definitely anti-Niemi. Now, if he okay. folds up a little bit, they'll go back to Huey, but no question, uh, Niemi is the Hawks' starting goalie. Okay, so in a sense, how is he going to handle it, too? Yep. You know, that's uh, that's going to be a, a major, major thing. That's why I wasn't sure if he was – I didn't know it was official. That's mm-hmm. why I was still thought it might have been up in the air just because of, uh, of uh, what do you call it, uh, of the experience factor. Mm-hmm. But you think, of course, the people from Nashville don't have any experience because Nashville doesn't sign any free agents. So everybody that's on their team is, is farm system. And I do believe this is the first time Nashville's ever made the playoffs, isn't wow. it? I'm not sure about that. Could be. So they're sort of like the – I haven't followed Nashville. What's their nickname? The Nashville – Predators. Uh, they're the Predators. They're kind of like the Oklahoma City Thunder coach. I have They've not followed really... Predator hockey over the years, but uh, they're sort of like the Pittsburgh Pirates and a low-budget team, and uh, but they found a way to make the playoffs. Yeah, they're like the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know okay. what I mean? You look at them, uh-huh. and they got a really, really young team. I know they don't have the Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have a guy that's you know scoring 40 goals a, a season for them, but they do have a really young team. The youngest teams in the NHL are Columbus, Nashville, and the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks got to the Western Conference Finals last year. They they have some experience. But, like, right now, uh, that, all they have to remember is this. It's 0-0 and get it done. Mm-hmm. That's all they have to worry about. All right. NHL playoffs off and running. We're going to talk some Oklahoma City Thunder in the NBA playoffs after break number one. But uh, just a quick segment on NHL hockey. We got any hockey Fans out there, you want to talk about your favorite team, the playoffs that have begun for Chicago. It begins tonight. Our phone number again, 888-463-6748. Hockey expert Joel Radwanski on the line with us, a man who uh, has played at the highest level except junior high, high school, college, or professional. In fact, Big Dog, have you ever actually put on the skates and gone up and down the ice a little bit? Never have, and I really wish I would have. Uh, as a matter of fact, my my cousin, the engineer, he was at, he played hockey at uh, Illinois. Uh-huh. Other than that, no, nobody in the family has ever been a hockey player. So you have never and actually put on a pair of skates? Never in my whole entire wow. life. I've never even put on roller skates, wow. roller blades, anything. Really? Nothing ever. Man, in my entire life, you my got big. Couldn't you... afford playing hockey. Me playing hockey when I was a kid, so I didn't uh-huh. play. You got you have a uh, large set of ankles too. I would think you'd have a hard time finding a proper set of uh, ice skating skates. Yeah, I, I guess I'd be Duncan Keith because that was his problem, coach. Mm-hmm. They couldn't they couldn't get his blade right on his skate because his, the way his shoe was fitting wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he was playing like crap and and like he came out and it was I, it was kind of like an excuse. And I was like, what the heck is he talking about? Just play Duncan Keith. He's, he's my favorite hawk. Well, all of a sudden he got the right blade, and the last couple of weeks he's been absolutely phenomenal. So, man, what it, I guess it does it does make a big difference. You got to make sure your boot fits right when you're out there as a skater. Make sure the boot 
Fitz right. Duncan Keith, by the way, for our fans listening in the international audience, might not be aware of who Duncan Keith is. He is a contender for the Norris Trophy. I think that's the name of the trophy for the best defenseman in the NHL. He has had a breakout season big dog, a big reason the Hawks are one of the favorite teams. A young man who uh, was good last year, but he has taken it to another level, and he is amongst, I think you would agree, the elite defenseman in all the NHL. Um, I think he's had the best year. Everybody talks about how Charo is the best defenseman, but uh, he's had the best. Uh, Zdeno Charo of oh, okay. uh, Tara of. I uh, thought that was Charo from Johnny Carson. Well, I, I just will have to disagree with you. I don't think it's been a breakout season. I think uh, the fact that the Hawks are getting so much national exposure. Okay. Uh, five years ago, when the Hawks were nothing, Duncan Keith was an all-star caliber player. Except the mm-hmm. only problem was they sucked. You know, and now. The last couple of years, you know, they're really good. Everyone's like, wow, Duncan Keith is good. Well, they finally got some players around him. Mm-hmm. So not to, not to denigrate what you're saying, Coach, but I, I really don't see it as a breakout for him. Okay. He has been good for a long time. Right, good point. 7.30 tonight, folks. Uh, Hawks taking on Nashville. It opens up, and again, the number one seed, San Jose team, game one only, game one of a best of seven, but they lost. No, 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 Coach. I want to disagree with you. What's that? Forget game one only. This team, two other times that they've been the number one seed, they've lost in the first round both times. What are they you disagreeing with? My point is, it's like, oh, it's only game one. No, oh. they are going to play with their, you okay. know what, puckers. So it was a significant victory for Colorado Le Avalanche. Absolutely. If okay. it was, if like Washington losing to Montreal, Washington's like, hey, let's skate well, we'll get it back. San Jose, though, they've been number one two other times, and they lost mm-hmm. in the first round to the eighth seed. Okay. I think they're scared out of their you-know-whats right now. So though. there's that, that psychological factor going on. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just, like everybody tells them, oh, don't choke, don't choke, and they lose game one. They're like, oh, no, we're going to choke. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Sports psychologist Joel Rodwanski joining us here. on the. <laughs> I've given you four titles already on the show. That's not bad, huh? Planet Earth expert, global warming enthusiast. NHL expert and sports psychologist. You are truly a jack of all trades, Radwanski. Uh, if you hang on for about 45 seconds during our break when we come back, are you willing also to become our NBA expert? Uh, I'd be willing to be hung, coach, yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We're too cheap to hire an actual one, so you've got to fill it. We'll take a quick break. Two guys in a mic. Talkzone.com. It's a weird show, but weird is what we do best. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888-GO-FOR-IT once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joel radwanski on talkzone.com all 
All right, we welcome you back to Two Guys and a Mic. Outstanding music in between. That's what we feature here on the Two Guys and a Mic show, TalkZone.com. By the way, yesterday, Big Dog, we talked about Larry King going through his seventh divorce. Now, a little controversy with this one, but if you are keeping score at home, and we repeat, Larry King, seven divorces, Michael Jordan, six championships, so... We alluded to the fact that maybe, do you think Michael comes out of retirement and tries to go for another championship to tie Larry King? Well, not with the roster he's assembled in Charlotte, Coach. You know, mean, does, does Cleveland need a guy that can uh, back somebody down and get an easy layup? Because he can probably still do that against a two-guard in the NBA. But. I'll tell you what, the Charlotte team, I watched them play the Bulls, and they certainly were not playing at their bad. They're not bad. Oh, no, no, no. He has- yeah, they're just not ready to go to the championship no. level yet, is no. all I'm saying. They need, uh, very similar to the Bulls, they need one big guy that can score inside, but a pretty good Charlotte Bobcat team, actually. Oh, yeah, I love that if we're going to talk NBA basketball, because I really don't want to talk Larry King. Hopefully, you know, I'm sure he'll be happily divorced for the seventh time. But, yes. Uh, but, you know, the, the Charlotte's got a nice team. The, the Gerald Wallace can play, and they've got nice guards that have a lot of versatility, just a really small. That's the problem with Charlotte. And Steven Jackson has finally become a NBA superstar coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and it's funny, some guy that his whole career, and I don't, I don't care if this, how this sounds, the guy his whole career has played selfishly, seemed like he didn't even care, was always causing trouble, and then all of a sudden he goes to Charlotte and he's passing, he takes over the game when the team needs him to, he seems to be an incredible teammate, he's playing awesome defense. It's funny. He made the change. He like he woke up and realized, hey, you know what? Let me just figure out how good of a basketball player I can be and forget mm-hmm. about everything else. And, you know, and he, and he turned it around. So there is hope maybe for other players that have played selfishly and, and are always getting in trouble mm-hmm. off the court and getting in fights and being stupid. Uh, Stephen Jackson figured it out. So you might want to uh, credit maybe the uh, veteran coach Larry Brown for being part of that also. But you're absolutely. Correct. Talk a little NBA playoffs here. We'll, uh, here in the city of Chicago, of course, we're concentrating on the Bulls and trying to figure out a way how they can, I don't know about win the series, but maybe make it competitive, maybe win a game or two. But uh, as I look through the NBA playoffs, Big Dog, and it's been the same thing the last five, six, seven years, but it doesn't mean you have to understate it. You look at the matchups in the Western Conference in round one, and you can also get excited for the potential round two matchup. You've got really eight tremendously talented teams going to battle. It is NBA basketball at its best without sounding too trite in the Western Conference. Those should be some great first-round matchups. You know, I, I didn't see the what the final standings were, but I do know with two games left in the season, mm-hmm. seven and eight had 49 wins. Yep. So I'm assuming they both got the 50. Seven. Uh, I don't know if they did or not, but at worst, at worst, there are six fifty-win teams and eight forty-nine-win teams, and I think there's eight fifty-win team-win team. Yep. In the NBA playoffs in the Western Conference alone, both the Spurs and the Thunder did, in fact, win their fiftieth game. Lakers taking on the young, dangerous Oklahoma City Thunder team. Mavericks against the Spurs. That's the two-seven. A lot of people are picking the Spurs. Suns against the Trailblazers. Great matchup there. And the Nuggets and the Jazz. Every game is going to be a battle there. My personal pick right now, Big Dog. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling the Phoenix Sun. Well, you know, the Phoenix Sun, they play a beautiful brand of basketball, mm-hmm. don't they, Coach? It's easy on the eyes. You watch them, they do those pick and rolls, and all of a sudden there's a bounce pass on Mari Stoudemire, and he's throwing it down with the thunder. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's, you know, Steve Nash will behind the back pass. I mean, uh, they, they're fun to watch. The, 
now, and, and they don't grind it out and play any type of defense like the 1990s uh, New York Knicks, trust me. There's no ugliness when you watch Phoenix Suns games. There's and they also, uh, they're a little short in the middle, two weaknesses for them, probably rebounding a little bit and maybe even more so defending a big guy because they don't have the real good big man, but they are fun to watch. Yeah, and if you don't have a really good big man to defend down low, kind of like the, the Bulls used to, they really didn't have a great defensive uh, uh-huh. They would deny, 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 make sure that uh, the ball didn't go inside. Well, I got to hate to tell you something, Coach. Steve Nash won't deny anything. Okay, he's not. Steve Nash is the best offensive player in the game of basketball, and I'm including Kevin Durant and Kobe Bryant and LeBron James in there. It, wow. If you want your offense to be incredible, Steve Nash is the one. I would take all three of those players before Steve Nash because <laughs> Steve Nash is maybe the worst defensive player in in all of basketball. So mm-hmm. it's. If that's basically what you're getting with Phoenix, Coach. That's why I don't think they can win. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, talk, it's interesting, too, because we talk about, well, the Bulls need a big guy. And uh, I just mentioned uh, what team, I forget even what, oh, Charlotte Bobcats. We were talking about how they're like one back-to-the-basket big guy scorer inside. And we talked about the Phoenix Suns not able to defend big guys that can score inside. And the more I say that and I start thinking about it, who is in the NBA today? Who are the real "Quote unquote big guys who play back to the basket who are effective scorers. I think I can count them on one hand, and my one hand is closed in a fist right now. Big though, I can't think of any. There's, there's, there's there would only be a couple like Tim Duncan, and yet yeah. Tim Duncan doesn't always do it all the time. Yeah, he Neil hurt, um, and, and a lot like most of the other guys. There's only not too many of those. I, I think when you're talking about the need of a big guy coach, I mm-hmm. think more defensively. Okay. Because you should be able, because it's man-to-man defense. I know you can kind of play zone in the NBA now, but if you need inside scoring, you can get it from your two guard. You know what I mean? You can post up his two guard. You can you can rotate your offense in a way where all of a sudden your two guard, who might be 6'8", is messed up a 6'4 guy and he can get an easy layup. So you don't always need to have some big, plotting fat dude with a decent move to get the ball down low to lay it in. You could use maybe a swing man to do that, but I, I do think it is important to have a big guy to defend the inside of your, your defense. I think that's mm-hmm. – when you when I think – maybe you think differently, Coach, but when I think big guy, uh, the, when teams need a big guy, I think defensively and rebounding and block shots before I think yeah. of the easy uh, layups and baskets. I don't think every team needs to have uh, like a Shaquille O'Neal type if you want to win to, to score an offense in order mm-hmm. to – Win. Yeah, as you were describing that, that's exactly what I was thinking about. As you well, you said defense and shot blocking and rebounding. I'll take uh, two of the the last two of the three. Thank you very much, and give me a glass of water with that. You really don't need a big body down low who can defend the big guys because there's very few big guys that can score. What you need, and the Bulls used to have one in a guy like Tyrus Thomas. They don't have to be six ten, six. You need a shot blocker who can come over from the weak side, and you need guys that can clean up the board. So it's not so much defending down low. It's the shot block presence so your guards know, or the other team at least has a little fear if they break down a defender, they drive in the paint. There's a shot blocker there. okay. And then, of course, rebounding, a guy who can rip down the defensive rebounds is still worth his weight in gold in the NBA. Yeah, and especially when they can rip down the the rebound and immediately – uh, checks to see if there's an outlet pass for yep. an easy bucket on the other end. Yep. Kevin, know, uh, Kevin Gray does that well. Joe Kim Noah, the Bulls, does that well. We, uh, oh, Joe Kim Noah gets better every single Kevin Love. Season. What am I saying? Kevin Gray. Yeah, Kevin yeah, Love. Actually, I, I, I didn't know what you mean. 
you know, seven continents are listening to us right now, Coach. Yes. But, you know, this is this show is out of Chicago, and if you, so, we have a lot more Chicago fans going. And we had a perfect example of a team that won six championships, and they never had a, a back to the basket mm-hmm. score. They ran the triple post, and what the triple post meant was that everybody was rotating, and everybody would move in a fashion that you would eventually be down near the basket. And if your matchup was the best, they'd get you the ball, and you'd get an easy score. The Bulls had all types of layups. The Bulls were, the Bulls were always beating people with inside scoring. They, they were not a jump-shooting team. But it would always seem like, you know, like obviously Michael Jordan would hit the bailout jumpers, you know, with zero seconds on the shot clock. But uh, how many times did you see, like, Scotty Pippen or Horace Grant or, or Luke Longley uh, get easy layups when just because of there's ways to get easy layups in the game. You don't always have to, all right, let's set it up, clear out. And we're going to dump the ball into the big dude who's going to, you know, try to uh, make some slow plotting move and try to make a layup. I mean, th- that stuff is gone in the NBA. The 1970s are over. Mm-hmm. All right, NBA playoff talk here on Two Guys at a Mic Show. If you're a uh, fan out there, we'll talk some hoops. Now the time to do it. Triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. We'll have one other segment. We'll cover Major League Baseball, some of the highlight games from yesterday, and talk about our beloved Cubs and Sox. So baseball coming up too, but. Uh, Good first-round matchups, all kidding aside, big dog, forget about the Bulls in three. The bigger question is, when you look at the Bulls versus the Cavaliers matchup, uh, honestly, can the Bulls compete? Can they win a game or two, or is Cleveland just too good? And I'm tending towards the latter. Uh, if the Bulls aren't trying to make it competitive and they actually tried it and really truly believe they can go out there and win, yes, they can win. Uh-huh. Uh, but... Are they going to? It's going to be awful difficult, coach. But they do have a pretty good matchup. I, I do like. I do like their matchup. LeBron James is the best uh, player in the NBA. So if they can just somehow slow him down a little bit and make sure he just doesn't absolutely take over, mm-hmm. they have a shot in this particular series. But um, the rest of it, how, how is Shaquille O'Neal going to play after not playing for you know what is it six weeks, eight weeks? It, it's been a long mm-hmm. time since he's actually been out on the court. Yep, uh, it, it's. It's going to be pretty important for them to to work him back in, and if the Cavaliers are trying to think about, oh, okay, we're just going to work, uh, we'll this will be no problem. We'll work Shaquille in, and by the time Shaquille we have to play somebody tough, you know, he'll be ready. All of a sudden, you know, it might be, you know, the, the Bulls might steal a game in Cleveland. You know, they come back with mm-hmm. with home court advantage. Who knows what'll happen? So, um, coach. I do think, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Bulls fan, I want him to win. I do think it's a decent matchup for him. Uh, so I don't yeah. think it's going to be your typical 1-8 rollover game in the East. I think what's great about the Cavaliers now is it's, uh, is, and I agree with you, LeBron James, the most dominant player in the NBA, but uh, they built so many pieces around him. That's what makes him better. They always had good players around LeBron James, but now they've got better ones and they've got more of them. So you really can't. If you totally shut down LeBron, they got so many other, not just one or two other guys. I mean, they picked up Anton Jameson, right? Uh, who's the guard who got hit? Mo Williams, who got hot against the Bulls last game? Yeah, yeah, Mo Williams. I mean, I have a player, Delante West. Yep. As long as he's, uh, not, uh, like, incarcerated during the series, <laughs> will definitely be a factor. They got this kid, is it Pope coming off the bench? He can score some points now. And of course, Ogaskis and Varejo, who can rebound, defend. Who's and the guy? Pe- Boo something? What's his name? Boo or? I forget his name. You might be he's thinking good. about the same guy I am. Comes off the bench for him, a, uh. And he wears the headband. And he's got the silly first name. It's like Poo or something like that. 
I'm not Boo-hoo. sure on that guy. I'm, Boo-hoo? I uh, forget his name. Could be Kuhu Boohoo. The point is the Cleveland Cavaliers got a lot of talent, more than just LeBron, and they can bring Shaquille O'Neal in, and he can be like a almost an afterthought. As and uh, and as a afterthought, he's a pretty dangerous player. So, as yeah, much as I'm rooting for the Bulls, boy, the Cavaliers are going to be tough to beat, even one game, I think. And the, the one thing that Shaquille O'Neal brings that really makes them a uh, NBA champion contender, whether he's on the court or not, is this: like Antoine Jameson has always been a numbers guy, coach. Mm-hmm. He'd always get his 20 and his 10, and his team would finish 28 and 54. And I think a little bit has to do with some guys, really, that's all they care about are their numbers. Okay, and and, and all of a sudden he gets traded to Cleveland, and Shaquille O'Neal could care less how many rebounds he gets, cares how less how many touches he gets. All he cares about is the Cleveland Cavaliers winning. Seriously, he's never complained one time, oh, I'm not getting enough touches. You go, you go get me to rock. He, no, he didn't say anything like that. He only goes out and blocks shots. That's picks, you know, when he gets his opportunities, he throws it down. That's a good example. So people like Antoine Jameson cannot complain he's not getting enough touches. And, you know, if you get a player of the caliber, Antoine Jameson, playing in the team, the role of a team, you know, Antoine Jameson could really help a team getting 15 points and 10 rebounds, you know, mm-hmm. more than, you know, getting 21 and 10 and chucking it up. So, I think the uh, player that we are talking about or we're trying to get the name of is Jamario Moon. Is yeah, that the guy? Mario Moon. Yeah. That is it. I called him Pope. You called him Sun Chu Chen. And somewhere in between is Jamario Moon. But that kid is yet another weapon for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And your point. He's awesome in the open court. That kid yes. can flat out throw it down and dunk on people. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, and you can say, oh, dunking's only worth two points. But, you know, when Jamario Moon gets in the open court and they're in Cleveland and, he, you know, he throws one mm-hmm. down in traffic, that crowd in Gundarina starts going crazy. You know, that's the. You want to keep the crowd out of it, so yep. you know that's why you don't want stuff like that happening. And, he, and he's like scoring option number nine for the Cavaliers, so their depth much much better than it has been in previous years. I think they're the favorite in the East. The NBA West is oh, yeah, going to be no great. Doubt. There's no doubt yeah. about that, coach. Well, I mean, Orlando Magic still pretty good, can still contend. And you know what, the Boston Celtics, I got me a feeling that the team left for dead, they are going to uh, rise from the grave one more time. And then after this playoff run, I don't know how far they're going to get, but I think the Celtics are going to uh, make a push, maybe even win it all. And then after this year, I think players retire, coach resigns, it's done. But I got me a feeling the green jersey Celtic will rise from the ashes. Well, just uh, uh, I'm sure the NBA wants that. The NBA would love a Cleveland-Boston matchup. That's mm-hmm. just, Boston is in the 4-5 uh, set, right? Yep. Taking well, on the uh, Miami Heat. David Stern right now is he's got his he's got his beanie hat on and <laughs> and he's praying and he's hoping that Boston and Cleveland are in the second round, Coach. Mm-hmm. That'd be a perfect matchup for him. And by the way, if, if Glenn Doc Rivers does want to leave leave the Boston Celtics next year, I have no problem with him coming home. And by the way, if you don't know where his home is, it's Maywood, which is on the west side mm-hmm. of uh, the, the western suburb of the city of Chicago, not too far from the Madhouse on Madison. Okay. Interesting, and that that's actually, and I'm not rooting for Vinny Del Negro to get fired, but everybody seems to think a couple of days after the season ends, he will be gone. I like Vinny Del Negro, but assuming he's gone, you bring in uh, the hometown kid, Glenn Doc Rivers, and maybe some of those free agents, Big Dog, mm-hmm. might follow along, and all of a sudden the Bulls could be a hot commodity. That is exactly, that it was exactly my, my theory and my thinking. Interesting. And also, i, I got to tell you that the biggest 
the most respect I can give you to, that I can pay to Glenn Doc Rivers about why I think he'd be a good coach is when he played, I would legitimately watch them play. Like what, You put 10 guys out on the court, and as long as they didn't have the 10th, 11th, or 12th guy on the court, he was the worst talented player out there, yet he was one of the best players on the court at all times. I hated Glenn Doc Rivers when he was on the – the Hawks, or when he was on the uh, on the New York Knicks, he was always in the middle of doing something that would hurt the Bulls somehow. Those are the type of guys I want as a, as a coach. So mm-hmm. if if Vinny Del Negro is going to get the pink slip, and I have to admit, uh, of of the eighty two games the Bulls uh, were in this year, I probably only watched part of about thirty of them, mm-hmm. and I didn't watch one game from start to finish. So to be honest with you, I can't give you the whole. You know, I hear what everybody else says about Vinny Del Negro, and I, I really can't tell you. I can tell you how I feel about Lou Pinella, how I feel about Levy Smith, because I don't miss any of the Cubs or the, uh, or the Bears games. Mm-hmm. But if, maybe Vinny Del Negro is right, maybe he's wrong, but all I know is just Glenn Doc Rivers would be an upgrade from Vinny Del Negro. That I'm 100% positive of. All right. Well, we will see if that comes to fruition. But first, uh, he's got to get his Boston Celtic team in the NBA playoffs as the uh, playoffs will begin this weekend. Should be some great matchups, NBA basketball. Sometimes during the regular season, I'm not that big a fan. But come playoff time, it's awfully fun to watch. Big Dog, we're going to take a quick break. You mentioned Luke Pinella. Uh, your comments on him and some baseball thoughts when we come back. You got your baseball notes ready to go? Uh, yes, and I just want to let you know... Uh... The Cubs bullpen might want to put catcher's equipment on, Coach, while they're pitching. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Their bullpen is brutal. But right. that's, I guess that's going to be my theme when we come back on uh, TalkStone.com. Right, real quick, you going aluminum bat today or are you taking out the wood? Uh, coach, I wish I could take out the wood. Back in a minute. Two guys in a mic. TalkZone.com. to Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. The big dog, Joel Radwanski. We don't get you that often these days, big dog, so we got a treasure. Each and every moment you are here on the TalkZone.com, Two Guys and a Mic, rotating co-host, but make no mistake about it, big dog, you, my friend, you are number one when we go to the bullpen. And to have to call on the right-hander, producer David Olson, when the game is tight, when the game's on the line, you are the man that he will signal for. Uh, I really appreciate that, Coach. My my ex always used to call me number two. Well, you're a little bit of both. Take solace yeah, well, in that. I understand this, <laughs> especially if I've been eating healthy. It's Do any of your uh, exes live in Texas? Um, 
I'm trying to get one to move there because I still reside in Illinois. Okay. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Everything okay on the female front? I know uh, last time we talked to you, you were young, single, and uh, very much eligible. I'm assuming over the course of the week, you continue to be young, single, and hopefully very eligible. Uh, I, I definitely have opportunities, Coach, but Uh-oh. I'm trying to focus on my uh, my career right now and not on some other buddy, somebody else's rear. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, not exactly very gently put. Remember, we are America's number one family sports show, as long as you don't have a family or you're living in America. But I think I get the point of what you were trying to make. So, all right, so you're concentrating. Uh, you're all business right now. The social life is taking a secondary look. You're all about uh, concentrating at this point. Yeah, I've realized that I've had a lot of fun over my 37 years, and maybe it's about time to, you know, like. By the way, I got to interrupt you real quick, Joel, because we're being webcast here. As you're talking about your social life, a young female has come in. I think she's doing the show after us, and she's closing the door so she can't hear what you say. I'm not saying that's a good thing for you, but that's exactly what happened. That pretty much sums it all up now, doesn't it? That pretty much sums it up as right. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I couldn't resist. No, no, well, let's just leave it at that. Yeah. The door was wide open the entire show. She was listening to your comments on the NBA, on earthquakes and everything. All of a sudden, we're talking about your social life. She gently comes over and closes the door. Hey, you brought it up. I don't want to talk about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Very quickly, we're running out of time here. Baseball yesterday. And I hate to say it, Big Dog, at the start of the year, I said, you know what, the White Sox and Cubs, if you look at it objectively, are going to be middle-of-the-road teams at best. And it's early. It's way early. Hopefully I'm wrong. But the way it looks right now, both White Sox and Cubs, middle-of-the-road teams at best. Well, I I knew the Cubs were going to be the the middle-of-the-road team for the simple fact that they have a a handful of very, very high-quality Major League players with five rookies in the bullpen, inconsistency with their number one starter. No, they, I, if they win 82 games, that'll be a successful season for the mm-hmm. Chicago Cubs. Yeah. How Do five rookies in the bullpen? Come on. Seriously. This team has $120 million spent in a payroll, and they still have five rookies in the bullpen. That just shows you how bad like the, the Soriano and Fukudome and Zambrano signings are. Those guys combined – are making fifty million dollars this season, Coach. Mm-hmm. So you got fifty million dollars with those guys. So you have to go with a bunch of guys that make three hundred thousand dollars a year. And by the way, that's a lot of money, and they should be able to live on it. And that's way more than and that any even uh, all star player deserves. Mm-hmm. So now they're stuck with is Maylin Caridad, who by the way has a forearm. He'll be he's on the fifteen day DL, and all these other rookies. It, it's just it's just really disappointing, Coach. It's, it's disconcerting. And with the Chicago White Sox, I am not about to write the Chicago White Sox off yet. They actually do have a chance to win this particular season because they have four very good major league pitchers. I know Jake Peavy, he's kind of kind of a question mark, but something tells me Jake Peavy's going to be fine by the team by the time June comes around. I mean, this is the guy who won the triple crown in pitching in the National League in 2007, mm-hmm. and he had a couple arm issues, and he says he's finally throwing with yeah, healthy, so he's going to be all right. Freddie Garcia, they might want to send back to Hugo Chavez, okay, in Venezuela. <laughs> but but Danks is going to be good, Coach. Gavin Floyd, uh-huh. Danks is going to be great this season. Gavin Floyd is going to be really good. And Mark Burley will be Mark Burley, which means that he'll start 33 games. He'll go six innings in 33 games, uh, 25 quality starts. And every single ball game, the White Sox will have a legitimate chance to win. And if they could 
start playing a little bit better defense, they'll win. I'm really shocked about how poorly they've played defense so far this year. Mm-hmm. Not just defense. I mean, that's what I thought was going to be their biggest upgrade, Coach. Well, and I think it will be, but they got to hit the ball a little bit more consistently, too. 11 runs yesterday, but beyond that, they've really been battling to uh, score runs. They lose yesterday, by the way, 7-3, to and as you mentioned, Freddie Garcia, not very good, but it's been a combination. The pitching been okay, but it's been the defense uh, has been okay, but they expected their defense to be very good, and the offense, quite frankly, big dog, in the words of our uh, Chinese uh, executive Jiu-jitsu, not so good. Yes, and you know what? I, this is one of those things that the Cubs for years had problems with. Was You can look at the Cubs and you're like, wow, the Cubs finished fourth in runs. Yeah, but the problem is they would score 12 in the first game of the series and two in the next you know, yep. uh, two games. You know, So you can say they're averaging five runs a game, but they went one and two in the series. Mm-hmm. How often does your team score five runs? That shit is much more important. Then how many runs you score? I mean, that, that might sound kind of backwards, mm-hmm. but but it's true. If you want to have a good team, get a team that consistently can yeah. figure out ways to score runs. Not oh hey, we hit three yeah. three run homers today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whoop de do. You won twelve to three. You only needed to get four today. That's a great point. And, it's I a mean, good... that, that, that for, I, there has to, baseball. We call Bill James to come up with uh, like uh, that particular, and you can look at teams differently. You can have teams that might finish eighth in the league in runs, and you figure out, wow, this team always scores five runs. They, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're they're consistent about how much how many runs you're going to get. It's, to it's me, a, that's a consistent offense is much more important than how many runs you score. Completely agree with you, and it's sort of like you know you talk about pitchers that are Mark Burley's one you mentioned that keep you in the game and every time out give you a chance to win. What you're talking about is exactly the same thing from a team. Hitting standpoint, you need team hitting that game in and game out is going to score four or five runs, turn it around, and give your pitching staff a chance to win the game. It kind of works both ways. I like that philosophy. Yeah, if you remember in 04, that was the year that the Cubs missed the playoffs by by one game. And everybody, oh, it was Latroy Hawkins, Latroy Hawkins. Yes, Latroy Hawkins was horrible, and he was a problem. You know, the, the, the Chicago Cubs finished second in the National League in runs that year. And their percentage of times, I don't remember the exact percentage, but it was like near the bottom of how many times they scored five runs. Mm-hmm. They were just inconsistent. If they could have figured out a way to manufacture runs in a few more games, they would have had a lot better record in one-run games. Milwaukee, Milwaukee uh, beat the Cubs yesterday 8-6, to six, so the Cubs go down to defeat Ryan Braun, by the way, 4 for 5, another home run, Carlos Zambrano. Uh, had his second bad outing out of three games. By the way, watching the Milwaukee Brewers series, big dog Albert Pools is still the feature hitter in the National League. I'm ready almost to say that Ryan Braun, the Milwaukee Brewer, he might be the second best hitter in the National League. If not, let's just say he is awfully, awfully good. Ryan Braun. I, I am not. I'm not willing to put him there. I will say he is a no question All Star. Yep. And definitely in the top ten. If I'm going to start ranking hitters after Albert Pujols, which is on the pedestal, and it's almost like it was like when Michael Jordan would not win the MVP in the NBA basketball, and you'd be like, "How did he not get the MVP?" When mm-hmm. They were going to give it to Karl Malone or something. You know, it's, it's almost like in that situation because Pujols is the best. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Coach, I would still take Chase Utley ahead of uh, okay. Ryan Braun. All right. Well, you know what? We won't overanalyze it. Can we suffice it to say Ryan Braun is a great Major League Baseball hitter? And you know what the best thing about Ryan Braun is? He hits an infield ground ball. He can beat it out to mm-hmm. first base. He's got a little speed. That he's a good all-around offensive player, and he better be because he cannot. 
he's not a good defensive player. Mm-hmm. Cubs taking on the uh, Houston Astros this weekend, so hopefully they can get well, but you'll be happy to know, dog. The Astros won their first game of the season, beat St. Louis yesterday. Hallelujah, hallelujah, 5-1. to one. It's going to be a long season for the Houston Astros, I would think. Ooh, their offense is anemic. I mean, they've got... <laughs> They got Carlos Lee making 16 mil a season, and then Hunter Pence, I think, is their second best offensive player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to be awfully bad. And I am glad that they that they won a game before coming into Chicago. First and foremost, because they beat the Cardinals. And if I'm absolutely wrong about the Cubs, and all of a sudden those five rookie pitchers out of the bullpen end up being good, and they start becoming more consistent offensively, we need the Cardinals to lose some games because the Cardinals are the class of the division right now. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I don't want to give up on the season. I, I Hopefully they can make a playoff run. Oh, uh, um... it, it's nice to see. And so that it was good. I just don't want the Cubs facing a winless team. And I don't want any pressure on the Cubs. Yeah. Houston did win that game. So hopefully when they uh, finish out the weekend, they'll be like 1-11. But I agree with you. Psychologically, I think it's better when they come in with a win and get the monkey off their back a little bit. Uh, MLB recap. We kind of try to do it each and every day here in the Two Guys at a Mike show. Uh, going around Major League Baseball. Nationals sticking in the National League. Big Dog Washington Nationals defeated Philadelphia. Finally, the Philly train gets derailed, if not for a brief moment. 7-5 to five and... It just seems to be every time the Nationals win a big game, Ryan Zimmerman gets a big hit. It was his double yesterday that won on the ball game. Yeah, they actually have a, they're getting, they have a couple of nice young players on their mm-hmm. team. He's getting paid a decent amount of money that Ian Desnick can play a little bit. Uh, Nationals are a little bit better than they typically would be, and I think that's where uh, Ivan Rodriguez is going to die, by the way. He's their catcher this year. So. <laughs> by the way, I've been corrected by our female intern on Louisa. No squeeze of Louisa. It was not a double. It was a home run oh, by Ryan job, Zimmerman. Ryan. I want to thank no squeeze of Louisa for that correction. Uh, speaking of good young players, Florida beat Cincinnati 10-2. to Major League Baseball record, big dog, Jorge Cantu. Can you, Cantu? With his 10th? Uh, he does. I used, we used to joke around. You used to say can too, and I say cannot. Well, <laughs> you say can too, and I say he does. God bless you. And I hope it's not contagious. But he did uh, set a Major League Baseball record start of the season. Ten consecutive games with both a base hit and an RBI in each game. Put it in the record books. Jorge Cantu. Yeah, not exactly the guy you would probably suspect at the beginning of the year to break that record, no. now would you? A model of consistency. Yeah. Actually, he's a good-looking guy. He could just be a model. <laughs> Cannot. Now, I don't know about his diet. I can't speak to his consistency. But if he eats right... Or if he doesn't eat right, he might be a model of consistency. Uh, down in down in uh, South Florida, all those Cuban sandwiches, Coach. Yeah, he, his his diet can't be any good. <laughs> Too much cabbage, huh? Mm-hmm. All right, American League Yankees knock off uh, Anaheim six to two. Robinson Cano with a couple of homers. Curtis and Granderson with two more triples. He has been a great pickup, fitting into the Yankees very well. They win six to two. Chicago got Kurt Granderson. Nice pickup for the Yankee. Yeah, and Coach, uh, hopefully this is where you were alluding to it because I really wanted to talk about it yesterday, but of course I wasn't on the show. But Robinson Cano hit two home runs yesterday. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know who Robinson Cano was named after? Not Jose Cantu. Jackie Robinson, and yesterday uh, happened to be Jackie Robinson was, Day around Major League Baseball. I was going to bring that up. absolute great day. I'm so glad that they celebrate it. One of the greatest days in American history was the day that Jackie Robinson broke the, the color barrier. People, you know, people said, I have a dream speech in 1963. Uh, the Civil Rights Act had, uh, that Linda James, Baines Johnson passed. The greatest day for equality in the history of America was the day that Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier because baseball, believe it or not, 
is more American than even our Congress. So mm-hmm. legitimately, you wanted equality in America, Jackie Robinson being able to play was the most significant civil rights day in the history of America. And I was not aware, but Robinson Cano, his first name, named after Jackie Robinson, I was not aware I didn't aware know until yesterday. Okay. It was, uh, uh, Stan Barrett on ESPN mentioned it. So if, mm-hmm. if I'm wrong about that, blame Stan Barrett, because okay. he's the one who told me. And all of us. Can't, can't blame Stan Barrett. I don't know who he is. It was 63rd anniversary, by the way. Hard to believe. Time flies when you're having fun. 63 years yesterday when Jackie Robinson first entered Major League Baseball. And I know you uh, you describe it extremely well, Big Dog, the significance of that particular event. Yeah, I don't think I'm overstating it, Coach. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Baseball has been such a the number one sport in America for so long and such a lifeblood that it was that significant. Mm-hmm. It, re- it truly was. All right, we got to wrap up today's show. Big Dog, not bad. Not bad. In 57 minutes and 12 seconds, we covered uh, earthquakes, natural disasters. We covered social situations. We covered politics. Uh, we also covered, what are we, the funeral in Poland. There were a couple other major, uh, of course, tax ideas and tea party and coffee party. We squeezed in NBA playoff talk, NHL playoff talk, and a Major League Baseball recap. That's not bad for 57 minutes and 12 seconds. Yeah, how, how to debate and listen. Yeah, we, yes. we, we covered that. I wasn't listening when you said that. What was that? I don't know. What was it? <laughs> All right, Big Dog, have a great weekend. We'll uh, check in with you next week. Great work as always, my friend. Uh, you, you're the best coach. I'll talk to you next week. God bless you. Big Dog joining us on Two Guys and a Mic. Have a great weekend out there, everybody. We do thank our producer, David Olson, for doing a great job all week. We'll do it again Monday at 10 o'clock. Be good.